0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On the Whistle and the SPS AFCON podcast. Um pff, <laughs> the hosts are out, man. <laughs> sorry, so hosts, The the holders, pardon me, the holders and favourites are out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what
1: do you want us to say, man? Bro, I, I honestly don't like football, man. I, I like there yeah. there is no reason in the world that this should ever have happened. You know, like I I haven't looked this up. I I probably should have as as a journalist, but I don't know if I've ever seen a a team without a manager having, having sacked their manager after the most humiliating defeat in their entire nation's history, come back and then win in a knockout game in the AFCON. And not just against any team, but against the team against Senegal, like the the team that is looked so comfortable, that looked like they're the best in the in the business, looked like they're you know better than the team that won it just a couple of years ago. Like yeah, honestly, man, I it was bonkers. It was absolutely wild. It was crazy being in the stadium, like soaking in the atmosphere after the game because it was yeah, just like ecstasy, shock, like you know, like a lot of the teams I've seen knocked out their fans are really angry after the games. Like, you know, say for instance, when Cote d'Ivoire lost Equatorial Guinea, there's like frustration. There's a lot of emotion that bro, All the Senegalese fans I saw, it was just like shock. Like just honestly, there were some who were stood there for like close to like 45 minutes, just like rooted to just standing there, just staring into the distance because no one, no one. And I mean, no one saw this coming. Like in terms of anything other than just like it, it was quote-unquote destined to happen because it was the most ludicrous <laughs> thing that could happen, you know, like, but for every other way, it just sh- it should never have happened. That. And that's why I love it.
0: Um, I'm going to be maybe one of the uh, one of the outsiders, and I, I saw this slightly happening only because of the fact, well, there was no real, apart from some of their quality, but there was no real tactical reason why I think okay, Ivory Coast might knock them out. It was just more of a... Um, that second chance that he got, it felt destined. you know what I mean? Like, they got the, like, we all f- thought that they were out. You know, that's why the manager was sacked. If they, if, if, if Ivory Coast had four points, Gaskay's still the manager. They had three, you know? So, so, and when, when I realized that, I was like, okay, cool. So, Saturday, I was looking at the fixtures again. And I was looking at, you know, just how you hadn't really heard anything outside of the, the Ivorian media. Like, after that, like, were, it was all very quiet. It was all very, okay, you know, it was almost the energy was almost like we're not going to fuck this up. Like we've got to take a second chance. <laughs> that's what the that's what the energy felt like to me. And then and that's why I said on, the, on on the last on the last podcast I was, I was almost like this is Senegal's final because if Senegal do win this, then I was like okay, Senegal will probably win win the whole tournament. That's 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 the energy that, that I got, and that's the that's how powerful um, hope is. Like they had no hope, and all of a sudden they were all the hope in the world. All of a sudden, and and that was that's what carried them over the line. Because if we're going to talk about the actual game itself. Let's be honest here. Like, <laughs> there was, I don't feel like Senegal even turned up even half to show half as good as, as they were. First five minutes, yeah, it was great. They scored, started like house on fire, and an Ivory Coast took over.
1: Yeah, I think I think for me, the, the, the way Senegal approached the game was for for me. I, I I understand why there's a lot of backlash against Senegal and like backlash against Ali Cissé saying like, you know, like how did you let this happen? You like Senegal played really badly. But for me, I actually thought, like, their game plan was really, really good until it wasn't, if that makes sense. Like, first half, like, yeah, like you say, they come out the traps. Like, Sadio Mane, that brilliant turn cross, have Giallo, fantastic finish. Like, they do exactly what they needed to. And, and like, I was, I was speaking to a colleague before the game and was like, I just have a feeling that this is going to be exactly like the, the 2019 AFCON final when, when Senegal actually lost to Algeria. Like, Algeria scored in the second minute from a mistake. That was the game done. And like as soon as that goal went in, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. And and Senegal like shut the game down. And that first half I thought they were excellent. Like it was exactly like, like they they took they took one out of your guys' notebook, like the Nigerian notebook, like let Côte d'Ivoire have the ball, let them move it around the midfield. Yeah, like they can't do anything. They play with that back three, blah, blah, blah. And it and it worked a charm, it, like worked a treat. But for me, it was in, in that second half when when Côte d'Ivoire made the subs you know, when they brought on Haller and Adingra. And for me, especially Adingra. I thought Adingra was amazing. Um, and, and you know, like I've had my my agenda for him. Yeah, Pep, to be fair, Pepe played, played so well. But for me, I've, I've had this Adingra, Adingra agenda. And so maybe I, I, I overblow how important he was because I think he's not one winger who's different from all the others. You know, like Pepe, Kwame, like, you know, Boga, Bamba, like all these guys they're all the exact same, you know, they want to isolate players, they want to dribble past them, they want to beat their man. Um, and, you know, people were saying, like, oh, this is such a, like, why wasn't Zaha here? And I'm like, yeah, fair enough, Zaha's brilliant, but, like, he's the exact same. Like, he wants to be out wide, he wants to isolate himself against defenders, whereas Adinger, like, wants to come inside, he wants to play, he wants to move, you know? And so, for me, that is where Cisse messed up, is I think he managed the game perfectly until that moment. And he should have seen once a and Allaire came on that like the tide was turning is that Cote d'Ivoire actually finally had a way to play through them. It wasn't just, you know, like, I guess sterile possession. Um, so for me, it was like, yeah, it was disappointing from Senegal ultimately, but I actually thought for like 60 minutes, they managed the game quite well. But then, yeah, they just like got overwhelmed in terms of, you know, Cote d'Ivoire finally building that pressure and, and making making the difference with the subs.
0: Yeah, and, and and I think it's, I think it's a while. I, while I, I agree that Senegal probably just wanted didn't want it to be a chaotic game, hence why they wasn't as expensive. I feel that like the danger of playing that way is that let's say you are, you know, in their case, uh, <laughs> pegged back no matter what time of the of the game it is. It's hard to shift that momentum because you, you're you, you've, you've conceded ten twenty yards the entire game, and all of a sudden now you you have to like it, the players are not going to be i not going to be as responsive because they've already had this game plan the whole, the whole time, you know what I mean, the whole game. So for them, to, for, for them to essentially change up all of a sudden, the urgency and whatnot, look, they're going to have to meet Ivory Coast at that level. Ivory Coast have been at that level the entire game. <laughs> you have to go meet them at a level now. It's, it's incredibly difficult. It's, it's incredibly difficult. So I'm, you know, I, I suppose I'm disappointed with Senegal that they, you know, they didn't really kill the game as quickly as they did. But I was so impressed with Ivory Coast because they didn't panic. There was no, there wasn't a hint, there wasn't a hint of, and it, I feel like a lot of that came from the coach. Like he was so he wasn't running around like a maniac. He wasn't screaming at this guy and that guy. He was just guys keep believing yourself, keep playing your game, and then you know he earned his money because he subs. All all these subs changed the game. <laughs> they all, they all changed the game in their, in their favor. It was it was one of the most enjoyable games of Afcom, and, and not for the chaos, but more for the you can actually see, you can re, you could really see the amount of of quality that both teams had because of, it was a low scoring game, obviously, but it wasn't low scoring because both teams couldn't finish. It was low scoring because they were both almost cancelling each other out. It was was a fascinating tactical um, battle. Like Seri coming in, Seri hadn't started a single game the entire AFCON and he was the, and he was the best midfielder on
1: the pitch. (laughs) He was so good. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah, he was, yeah, first of all, there, there was a couple of things, right? Because with Cote d'Ivoire, you have these, like, selection issues, right? Where the first one is at centre-back, right? Where you have these, like, just amazing amounts of centre-backs, like Ndika, Diamande, Bali, Kosunu, like, and uh, even Wilfred Zingo. Like, but then for, for for me and a lot of other people, there was this real surprise that Kosunu didn't didn't play at all in those first, few, first three games. Because this is a guy who's starting centre-back at, well, arguably the be- one of the best teams, if not the best performing team in in Europe, in, in Leverkusen, you know, ball playing centre-back. Like, he can kind of do it all. He's physical, blah, blah, blah. And then the other one was Seri was Now, Seri like, I wouldn't have started him coming into this tournament. For me, that, you know, that Ivor in midfield three is too good, like, of, of Cassier, but, uh, Sangari, and, and Fofana. But, but Seri oh, my goodness. He's just so, like, sharp on the ball. Like, just one-touch passes, keeps the ball moving. Like, oh, yeah, he, he, was, he was brilliant. Yeah, you, you, yeah, exactly. And that w- that was something that made such a big difference that Cassier and Sangare in particular just couldn't do, is just move the ball just that one touch around the corner. Um, but I also love what you're talking about, like how calm they were, because like that was in such contrast to the other two games. Like I remember that game against Nigeria, like Fofana was taking these shots from like 35 yards, like trying to do everything against Equatorial Guinea. You know, like they let in these comical goals because they were just so desperate like you said like there was none of that like Fofano was everywhere again but he wasn't taking stupid shots he wasn't doing nonsense he was moving the ball well like and then when he came off you had the same with the Dinger and Aller like there was no panic there was you know it was it was dicey but they you know they didn't look like you know a team that was freaking yeah. out in the way that they did in in those in those two group games I mean
0: I I was just I was just to be honest from being Nigerian I was glad to see obviously one of the big favorites out but then in my head I'm thinking now wow like They've got they have quite literally got their entire nation behind them now. They redeemed themselves like you have beaten the holders. You come from the brink of death and you have beaten the holders, and now everybody's back behind you now. They 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 might not even need a coach like the crowd could just carry them through. That's what <laughs>
1: they don't even need one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it kind of that's what it kind of feels like in a way. Like they just they're, they're 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 there now. Like I feel like the Afcon now, as much as fun as we had now, the Afcon now has really started because as much as we laughed and joked about them going out early kind of thing, you can't have a tournament with the host nation going out super duper early. You need, them energy needs to be, for people that are there, the energy needs to be maintained for as quickly, for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, I was just, uh, overall, I was, I, was, I was very, very impressed with everything I saw. Even the refs is like, the ref for the most pivotal decision of the game got it wrong initially. And he, and you know, I don't want to use the word humble because he's just doing his job, but in a way he just humbled himself. Like, okay, cool. Let's go to the VAR. There was no, there was minimal fuss. He watched it like, you know, I made a joke about him saying that he watched it way too many times just to kind of make himself um, look like he was doing his job. But do you know what I mean? Generally speaking, he, he watched it enough convinced that, okay, he made a mistake. And that was it. You know, it was, it was really just, it was, everything just seemed to go as well as I feel like it could have yesterday for, for a neutral, from a neutral perspective. It was a genuine, genuinely great, great spectacle, man. Seriously. Yeah. I, I think the, the
1: only thing I'll say about the ref is I think, the way he managed VR that that one was all okay, but the early some of the other decisions like the money one Mornay. for him not getting a red card for me that was a, that was a red card. But you know it, you know, and and I think it was was it Crepin Diata, the Senegal yeah. player was like fuming after the game when he was yeah. interviewed uh, about them not getting a penalty for for his Maitlazhar, and for that one I actually I think the ref got it right. I didn't think that was a penalty. I think it was Enough. close. Um, But bro, for me this is like it's literally like a film because not only have they like had all this not chaos and like should have been knocked out. They get this last lifeline, like in the last group game, Morocco does them a favor, blah, blah, blah. But now it's yeah. like, it's such like a narrative because if they won their group, right, they would have played every single game up to the final in the Olympic stadium in Ebimpe, which yeah. is like, it's a beautiful stadium. It's an amazing stadium. The pitch is a bit rubbish, but the, the stadium itself is amazing, but it's not like a proper football stadium yeah. because it's like, it's out it's out of town. It's really hard to get to, like, it doesn't feel like it has much soul soul to it, whereas, like, now, because they came third, they have to kind of essentially, like, go around the country, like, they have mm-hmm. to, they had to go to Yamasucro quarterfinals, they have to go to Boake, I'm trying to remember where, where they have to go for the, for the semifinal, I think it would be... Um, I think they'll be back in Abidjan, but it's like this redemption story where they, they've had to go. They've had to go up north. They've had to go to the village.
0: They pay their respect like, to the rest of the country. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, facts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> pay the Yeah, that's facts. And then they'll come back to, to the Olympic Stadium, like, out for blood. Yeah. Honestly, like, it's, it's, it's literally like a movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, very, I'm very just, I'm, I'm very invested in their story now. I can't even lie to you. Um but let's take a let's take a quick step back to, to the first knockout game. Um Angola versus Angola versus Namibia, and um it was a crazy game for for the for the simple fact that the team that went down to ten men first ended up winning, ended up taking the lead, but ended up winning 3-0. Um I think my it's arguably my favourite goal of the tournament so far, Mabalulu. Um, he scored a finish that I normally that I normally see. I'm probably going to see it tonight. I'm off to, to play football later, on, but it's a, it's a goal you normally see in cages, like up and down, you know. Well, where I live, up, up and down London, where it's like it's an experimental finish. It's almost like a, oh, let me just try this because I've already scored seven goals today in, in five or second, I kind of let me just try it, and he did this in the Afcon in a knockout game. It was a stupendous finish, man. Now, listen, what did, did you make of the game in general, but that goal in general as well.
1: Bro, that first half was, like, the most bonkers first half ever. You have, like, the keeper coming and getting getting sent off for handball like, like outside his box. And then you have Angola scoring with, I think, there are only two shots of the first half. They scored, like, especially that first goal. Lovely, lovely team goal. And then (laughs) maybe I got the right... Get the red card, uh, the babalu. Yeah, like you say, this like it was very like very Thierry Omriask. He, did, he didn't do the cut in, but the whole like opening up of the body, kind of whipping it into the back. Oh, but it was like it was such a slow finish as well. It kind of just like caressed. Yeah, it was, it. It was just,
0: he's like he's like he's experimenting. It he was like I know the game's over. Let me just, let me just try this for fun. <laughs> it was honestly it was it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Angola are through they play. They played the next team we're going to talk about, um, Nigeria. Um, they beat Cameroon. And I think Nigeria have gone about this tournament so far in the most agricultural way. And I, I don't mean it as a disrespect. Um, I, just it, I just mean it in the sense that they've kind of they've recognised recognised quite early what this Nigeria squad is, the squad that he's. I don't feel like he understood what the squad he picked until literally after the first game. And he was like, okay, this is where we're going with it. And I will be honest with you, no bias there, but I think Nigeria have quietly been in the top three performers, I think, so far since their first game in this in, in this tournament. They've steadily gotten better and they've reckoned they're playing to their strengths more and more and more. I mean, the th- the last two group games were both 3 4 3 formation and then all of a sudden <laughs> in the knockout game he's gone three five two. Like Peseiro is is pulling out these tactical innovations like in real time in in the tournament. It's not like he's just You know, he's stuck in his ways, like he's he's adapting to the to the opposition. Um and I'm just I'm very, very pleased to see that all our forward players are not just working incredibly hard, but they're making they're the ones making a difference. I say it all the time, you have to have your forward players, especially in talks like this, they're the ones that have to bell you out, more often than not, because that's where that's how tournament football is. It's not as it's not as um it's it's way more cagey than regular season football. Do you know what I mean? So you need to have your decisive players making the decisive moves. You know, Osueman chased down for the first goal, created for Lookman. <laughs> it was a, it was fantastic. The second the second goal happened, and again it was Lukman scoring again in the box. You know what I mean? From a chance that we you know we more than, we more than more than deserve the win. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just very very pleased. And while Angola look incredibly threatening and expensive, I I don't fear them. Um, I think Nigeria have shown that they can defend, and they have shown that they can really hurt teams as well.
1: Yeah, I, like, first of all, watching Ajiri, I, bro, having never seen men play live before, watching him at this tournament has been an honour, like, it's been a pleasure. Like, honest, like, there's been one or two players, like, I haven't seen loads of live football in, in in my time, in my career, but, like, there's certain players that when you watch them live, like, it's a pleasure. Like, I think Luka Modric was one for me, seeing him live. But like Ozzyman, like the work he does the like the the energy he puts in the intelligence of his movement like he is he's so so good but Lookman was the other one that i thought was hilarious because i remember as soon as that game kicked off like 30 seconds into the game i can't remember who it was one of the Cameroonian guys just ran past him and he just like grabbed him by the shirt and threw him down like it was so <laughs> reckless like so needless and i remember like I, and I i think i tweeted it as well like this guy has that dog in him today. Like, he's yeah. going to do something because yeah. he, he is so motivated. Like, he just it's looked not, full not of rage. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then, and then like, oh, then he grabs the brace. But I also feel really bad for Lukman because, obviously, he scores this brace, you know, like, sends Nigeria through to the next round. Like, after he scores, what are the fans all cheering? Aussie men. Aussie men. Bro, they're not even mentioning Lukman.
0: <laughs> it, it, it happens that way. But I think it's almost kind of good anyway because... I feel like Osman is has grown in this tournament as well. And I feel like he's showing that he can probably he can take all the arrows, you know. What I mean, he can he can be the one to to lead the team, you know. He can take all, he's the one that can take all the praise, but also take all the criticism as well. Because after the first game, a lot of people were not were not pleased, and he's come out and he's, he's led the team since then. Like genuinely, he's really really led the team, and you know, he won the penalty against Ivory Coast. Do you know what I mean? So there's that. Um, but yeah, look, Nigeria versus Angola. I think that's that's. Arguably going to going to be the, the the tie of the round, I think. Um, two teams that are that are, just, are in amazing form, it's gonna be a great game. Um, the Guinea Derby. <laughs> 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 Another
1: I, crazy I, game. I, I wanna
0: I wanna know I, I wanna know what was what was your reaction to to so missing the penalty first? Because I know he's a guy that you're very fond of that you've spoken to a, n- a number of times. How did you feel on
1: a personal level for him? I was heartbroken. Let let me tell you, as soon as, because I knew he would take the penalty as soon as they got it. Mm. And the whole time I was thinking, he's going to miss. He's going to miss. Like, Mm. he's going to miss. But then as soon as he started his run up, like the whole like Mm. hop, like skip kind of like Jorginho-esque thing. I was immediately, I was confident again. Like I went from like, there's no chance (laughs) to like, ah, it's a goal. It's a goal. And even once he hit it, I I, like, I thought it was going in from my angle. I thought, and so then when it hit the pros, oh my days, I felt, ah, broke my heart.
0: It
1: broke my heart honest. on his <laughs> I, honestly it broke my heart like because yeah like you said like i've done some stuff with this team like i know how much it beats to them and like and they and for me they deserved it like watching and again this might just be my biases but like watching that game like guinea are so bad going forward like they don't have a creative bone in their collective bodies like <laughs> Honestly, every time they got the ball, it was just lump it forward, lump it forward. Like yeah. absolutely nothing. And like Equatorial Guinea, they didn't create many chances, but like you could, every time they tr- they were doing stuff, you could see what they were trying to do. Like, you know, third man yeah. movement, like, you know, m- trying to like stretch the play, you know, even their set pieces, every single one was different, you know, and that's how they got the penalty. It was like creative set piece, like creating space. And then Iban got taken. Whereas like Guinea were just like, like, don't get me wrong. They defend well. You know, they showed that against Cameroon. They defend well. Like, they're they're a solid team, and that's what you need in tournaments. But oh man, for me, like, they just did not. They did not deserve to win. And like, yeah. and, and, and like, that's harsh because I don't think Equatorial Guinea were amazing either. Like, it was definitely a nil-nil game for me. All written all over it. But um, but also like, as much as I feel bad for Equatorial Guinea, the court you cannot be just like karate chopping people in the middle of a football <laughs> match. Like.
0: That, that, it was so it was so dramatic because all the way it happened. It was almost
1: <laughs> of uh, was it Nigel Duyong in the 2010 World Cup? Yeah. Like, just, like, like, why are we yeah. planting studs on people's chests? Like, come on. So yeah, from that That's sense, like, of- Giddy Giddy deserved that. I, I had control because he deserved to lose just because of that kind of moment of, of stupidity.
0: It, <laughs> it pro- I think I think it had the latest goal scored in the tournament so far. Ninety plus eight minutes. Um, and it was a great goal, it was a fantastic header, um, but I think I think a, a game like that is easily easily forget is easily forgettable. But I think for Guinean fans, this is probably like the biggest day of their of their collective football history, one of the biggest days, if not the biggest. I
1: think you know. So, so. not to get too too serious on on the podcast, but um, mm-hmm. you know, like Guinea as a country has been going through hell like the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like they're under a mil- mil- military dictatorship right now after a coup. They haven't had full internet access for i think two and a half months you know even like we were trying to do like preview podcasts with someone from every country we found guys from guinea to speak to but their internet was so bad they couldn't we couldn't record because their internet and like you see fans like holding up signs in the stadium being like please turn on our internet like like you said this is the first time they've ever won a knockout game like yeah and being in the stadium was something else like guinean fans are quite interesting because they're so quiet but then as soon as mm. anything happens, even like a cross, they go nuts Nuts, and the energy, the, you know, like <laughs> it, the energy in that stadium, like honestly, and there's like 30 plus thousand Guineans there, I think like, mm-hmm. which is absurd. And like, you get that at this tournament because there's so many immigrants from all the countries around d'Ivoire in this country. And that's why I love it. And even like Burkina Faso Mali, I can't wait to watch it for the same reason. But like, yeah, like as much as Guinea for me had been like an absolute pain to watch and pretty dire, like their fans have just been extraordinary and like honestly the energy in the stadium was like electric when they won um so i think from that perspective like it's awesome to see and they're going to be in the same stadium again in in uh, whatever in the olympic stadium so we're probably going to see the same if not more guineans for that game against congo so like again i'm expecting it to be nil nil and go to penalties or extra time but the fans are going to be brilliant
0: yeah, I, I think I think it's actually a good point that you brought up um, Congo now and the fact that they won on penalties. Um, the game itself, I think, was one of the most I want to say evenly contested games. Um, neither side, I don't feel like were how do I put it were I suppose shot shy and were you know trying to essentially just cheat the game if you like. They both they both kind of went for it, but that. That red card, I suppose, changed changed everything because Egypt Egypt may have gone for, gone for broke had had that red card not happened. You never know, but they they did well to get to to penalties. Now penalties for me are a funny funny thing in general. I don't know why the goalkeeper's taking the the eighth penalty when you still have two more. Play- you've got, lost the play, but you still got two more players ahead of him. I'm not saying obviously he hasn't got the ability and whatnot, but Traditionally, goalkeepers are not great at penalties, and I feel like they just—they kind of—I um, want to say they want to—I want to say they played their hand a little bit too early, and that's probably what cost them. Because you miss that now, and now you've got going goals go to try and save one after your head's in the sky. It just looks—it just looks very, very, very bad. But again, I'm—I'm I'm pleased for another. I think this Congo's this is Congo's first quarter final in what feels like forever—a long, long to time. Me.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's, it's, yeah. I, I and I like I love this Congo team. I think they're a good they're a good side. Like I think I don't think obviously it's it's funny because they've drawn four games in and are now the quarterfinals, but I think they deserve to beat Morocco. They deserve to beat Zambia. Uh, Tanzania was pretty dire, um, but like this is an exciting team, and like they're one of these teams that is just kind of not like kind of like a Nigeria light where they they don't really have great midfield like Muchami and Pickle. You know they they're good solid midfielders. I think they've been pretty good actually. But they just have, like... The this, best yeah, but exactly. Then they have these, like, mm. absurd amount of forwards. Like, you know, like, Simon Banza who's one of the top goal scorers of Portugal. You have Silas at uh, Stuttgart, who's having a brilliant season. You have Visa, mm-hmm. you have Vakabu, you have Vongonda. Like, you just have this, like, absurd amount of talent up front. And they haven't quite got to grips with who should be playing. The Mishak Elio is the one who scored. Obviously, he's the one who scored that, that wonder goal for young boys against Man City. Another great player, like... So I think for Congo, I I I had them as kind of a I, I had them as a, a cheeky semi-final run, and I'm glad to see that they're they're on track for that. But yeah, I'm so glad they went through in my Egypt because oh, I'm sick of Egypt. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I think, I think I think Egypt, I think I think even the e- Egyptian fans are sick of Egypt, man. That like they yeah, facts. <laughs> they haven't been they haven't been inspiring for for a long time, and it just it's it's weird that it coincides with one of their greatest ever players' peak years, and. You know, he's taken them to what? Is it two finals or is it one final? Two final, two finals kind of thing. And it's just like it's just this. This is a great advert for sometimes in football, things are just meant to be or it's not meant to be, and that's just you just have to accept it. There's no rule. There's no way for you to explain it. It's just it just is. You know, and I think this is a, a really good example of that. Um, I was going to say, um, but yeah, I think the the next game now um, we're getting into into. Uh, very, very, I want to say, um, uncharted territory for, for a few teams. This is Cape Verde's. I think this is Cape Verde's. Is, their, is this their first knockout run in general?
1: Yeah, so so they've, they've been to the knockouts before. Like last tournament, they went up to the round 16. I think in 2013, they got to the quarterfinals. But it was their first, their first knockout win against uh because obviously in, back in the day all you had to do was win a group and you're already in the quarterfinals whereas yeah so this was the, this was their first and i actually like i thought this was a really good game it was hard to watch because i was in the stadium for the cote d'ivoire game um but i was really impressed with Mauritania. to be honest like i think cape Verde, outside of it, senegal and uh morocco in the group stages were, were the best team and like so creative great movement but like Mauritania, like who are the team i think who had the the lowest percentage of possession uh, in the group stage the like deepest block in the group stage like they came at them they were aggressive like they created good chances yeah exactly and that's that's what what, what the issue was is they created a couple really good chances but it was just like this last the last finish the last touch they couldn't get it um and i uh, yeah i'm like a huge huge admirer of um of their coach so like for me it was it was awesome seeing them playing, getting through the group, a group that I thought that they deserved to get through, actually, like, before the Algeria game, I think they deserved more than, than zero points. And But, yeah, it's a shame because then it was just an absolutely stupid, like, decision by send, whatever, centre-back to header it, back to the keeper in, in that situation and, like, boom, penalty, that's it, you're out of the tournament. Probably the easiest penalty you'll,
0: you'll see given. Like, it was just, it, it's really it's really unfortunate because what, what I love and hate about knockout football is I love the, the, the jeopardy, but I also hate how Final, it is. It's just like you know, we think we're, we think we think we're going to, to to extra time potentially penalties, and then with two minutes of regular time, Mauritania are, are out like this. It's just so sudden, yeah. It's it's just so sudden that you, you know. So yeah, now shout out to them because they're they're a team that I would I want to say you know respectfully. I knew incredibly little about genuinely. I I had heard about the project they had in terms of the. The, the football excellence academy that they've been trying to, you know, really push for the last, I think maybe last decade and stuff. But outside of that, I had no real clue about them. And now I feel like the next tournament in, in Morocco, whoever qualifies next, nobody's going to be taken lightly because so many teams that have, that have made their debuts or made their debuts in the knockouts and whatnot, they're going to be fired up again, thinking, you know, what? we're good enough now. Um, so yeah, I'm shout shout to them for all Cape um, Verde. Um I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting this, I'm not counting any chickens yet, but I think they've got a deep run in them, potentially. They do, I think.
1: And, and, and they're playing, you know, whoever wins tonight between Morocco and South Africa. And, you know, yeah. like both Morocco and South Africa have shown that they're not, they're not like comprehensive teams, you know. And, and, and it, like we said, like the knockout stage is so different from the group stage and Cape Verde have managed that you know they managed that transition you know like mm-hmm. it's hard to make that transition between playing the group stage and playing the knockout stage same with Nigeria like they managed that really really well and although it wasn't like a polished win in the same way that their Ghana win was or their, their winning against Mozambique yeah. was, like it was a good solid win and I, I just think they have so much about them where like if if they play Morocco you know who are favorites against Africa like They're happy defending deep. They're happy playing more aggressive. They have players like you know Bebe and and Cabral in particular who can like hold up play, bring them, carry them out. Yeah, exactly. So like they they just have a lot, and they have a lot of depth. You know, we saw that in the game against Egypt when they rotated the team. So like I think you know it suits them to have these 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 games that run late. And you know I think Morocco are, are a brilliant side. But both them and South Africa don't have loads of depth in certain positions. Like, I think there's mm-hmm. Ziyech who's been a doubt for this game. I'm not sure if he will play, but, like, they're, they're missing are yeah, He was, he was eye stuck
0: Huh? He was eye-stuck when he Yeah, he's, exactly. Um... So, like,
1: there's certain positions where Morocco have a lot of depth, like left wing, like Poufal's coming out. But that's fine. They have Adli, you know, azuli these kind of guys. But, like, if Ziyech gets injured, they don't really have anyone who's going to step up there in the same way. Whereas Cape Verde, it feels like when they make the subs, there's not a drop in performance um, despite you know their players all like generally not being you know not no namers but but players who aren't aren't very well known so yeah I agree I like oh man if you came for guts in the semifinals that'd be that would be amazing <laughs> yeah. honestly I would it would be fantastic I love it yeah um well guys look we we
0: we had to record today because the knockouts have have not disappointed and I thought like it be very very. It would be it would be bad for us to, to wait one more day to essentially give you guys this because yeah it's been it's been fantastic I, I have not there's not been there's maybe been one or two games where I feel like maybe I've wasted my time today but you get that of every tournament but generally speaking every single knockout has been worth your time um everybody seems to just be switched on even if the teams that are going out you know it's not for lack of for lack of trying basically and everyone everyone that's that that's made it this far absolutely worth their weight in gold um so yeah i've been pleased um but yeah alistair any any last words before we get out of there
1: yeah i I just think man like this the storylines just never end at this tournament like like you say like even even the even the knockout games that have been terrible like Mm -hmm. equatorial guinea guinea game terrible game but it still serves up amazing drama with the penalty missed last minute goal like there is there's always something there's always something for us to feast on and like you know, like coming into this tournament, we would expect Morocco to comfortably beat South Africa. I can't no, say no, that no, anymore no, no, no. Exactly. because, because of the nonsense that's happened before that. I can't even say that. So yeah, yeah it's ah mad. I love it. Well, everyone should watch the Afghan. That's the only thing I'll say. It's, been, it's been a
0: fantastic f- um, advert for football, but also I want to say the, the it's, it's been the, almost the anti-European football back. It's, it's so different to watching what I watch in, um, domestic European football in general it's so so different I could I could literally probably write 10 different articles about the differences because it's yeah and and it's not for it's not because of a quality thing it's I think it's just genuinely a cultural thing that's what I think the main the main difference is you know there it means it means so much more to I feel like the average person here you know and it translates to the players yeah Alright then, guys. Uh, we will be back. Um, I suppose um, after after the the ooh, we could potentially do a uh, what do you think a, pre- a preview
1: before the semis potentially? That that might be needed. Yeah,
0: honestly. <laughs> okay, okay. We can, we'll we'll, we'll, see, we'll play it back, We'll see how it goes. But we'll be back very very soon. I've been Moss. I've
1: been <laughs> Alistair.
0: Peace.